and we are back hello welcome everybody to another episode of we lift big today is a Q&A day and I have three questions that I am going to answer to the best of my abilities let's jump right into this so question number one what do I consider foundational strength training exercises? So, when I'm working with any client um, from any walk of life that is new to strength training or bodybuilding, there's five pillar exercises that should be learned extremely well um, before you learn more accessory exercises. And those moves are squats, rows, chest press, shoulder press, hip hinging, and planking. And uh, the reason that I chose these five exercises is that I believe that most exercises in general have origins in these five exercises and they also uh, cover um, all of the basic movement capabilities of the body, I'll call it, which are example pushing pulling maintaining tension and aside from hinging and rotating and all that good stuff um, an example of um, these exercises being origins to other exercises is um, say you are doing a squat jump um, the base part of that move is a squat if you are doing a burpee you are squatting planking and then if you add the push-up you are pressing your chest away from the floor and otherwise a chest press. If you are looking at a kettlebell swing or a hip thrust, you're looking at an exercise in which you're hinging at the hips, otherwise performing a hip hinge. So just some examples that um, a lot of exercises you see in your um, like cardio routines or circuit training routines or anything like that have these origins that um, even though those are more cardio-based moves, they are um, these fundamental strength training exercises. Again, squats, rows, chest press slash shoulder press, hip hinging, and planks are all found in exercises um, all across the board. And um, like getting good at any sort of um, movement or thing, <laughs> for lack of better words, um, it's very much like learning a new language. And so if your goal is to become fluent in a language beyond asking where the bathroom is, you have to start with the basics. And it's the basics that create long-term growth and success. And so whether you are turning this into a lifestyle or you're like, I want to get ripped in 30 days because it's summer, like you, you can, first off, you can create a lot of awesome change in your body in 30 days by working on your basics. It's the truth. Um, and also it just, again, isn't fitness lifelong? Like again, even if you are just going for that 30 day shred, like you're gonna do multiple 30 day shreds in your life probably at least once a year. And if you live for 120 years, you're gonna do 120. <laughs> 30 day shreds. So uh, you might as well learn your basics. Um, the best way to learn these pillar exercises, I mean, my beautifully unbiased opinion, is to seek the help of a coach or a personal trainer. Honestly, I mean, I am a trainer myself. Um, so maybe there's a little bit of bias there, but, but um, they are the most hands on approach to 
learning these kinds of movements because you don't learn this shit in school unfortunately um you should um but in the moment like say you're working with me it's like i can look at you in the moment and i can correct your form because the last thing you want to do is get injured um when you're learning these movements and also just noticing like basic imbalances in the body which need to be addressed which is huge like I think this is equally as important as just making sure that someone is doing an exercise if someone is doing an exercise wrong because maybe they're doing it wrong because they just they, they didn't realize they were doing it wrong but maybe you're doing it wrong because you have an imbalance in your body that doesn't allow your body to move in the way it has to in order to complete this exercise um, an example of that would be like tight hamstrings um, creating a butt wink at the bottom of your squat or lack of mobility in your shoulders like shoulders like to take over your chest press um, as some examples and um, because again when you're learning these exercises whether you're doing your 30-day thing or you're making this again a part of your lifestyle uh, don't you want to be doing it right like don't you want to be doing it in a way that is working towards your goal and not injuring you and not creating monster traps um, I'm just saying, unless you want monster traps, then you do you, boo. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, I'm going to share some links below of um, some of the tutorials I've found online. Say you're not working with a trainer um, or you're, and again, you're just, you're looking, you want to do this right, which yes, you do want to do this right. <laughs> then um, I'll share with you some of my uh, go-to tutorials, um, people that I think just explain the exercise really well. And so I will link those in the bio below, or in the comments below, not the bio. Good job, Bria. All right, question number two. Uh, what do I believe is the most important meal of the day? Ooh, I like this question. I like it a lot. Uh, the short answer is the first meal of the day. And um, so until you eat for the first time in a day, your body has been in a state of fasting, which is why breakfast is called breakfast, because you break the fast. Whoa. <laughs> and uh, it's a, this is the meal that wakes up your digestive system. Not necessarily that your digestive system was asleep, but it's that initial like walk through the door like oh like this is how this day is gonna go <laughs> kind of a meal like it tells your digestive system like oh these are the kind of foods that we are going to be processing today and that is huge especially if you're someone who likes sweet breakfasts and I'm not gonna lie I enjoy myself a sweet breakfast however just so you know if you notice those sugar cravings follow you throughout the rest of the day it's because you started with something sweet do i still do it anyways absolutely whenever the first meal is of the day that doesn't necessarily have to be in the morning although a good rule of thumb is to have your first meal within about an hour of waking um, unless in the case you are doing some sort of intermittent fasting or fasting in which maybe you don't have your first meal until later in the day like 11 12 1 o'clock um depending on the kind of fasting you're doing and um whenever you have this first meal of the day again you want to make sure it's a combination of carbohydrates fats and proteins um carbs are going to give you energy the fats are going to be filling and the proteins are going to build your muscles <laughs> and also fill you up and so once you've had your first meal of the day my recommendation is that you eat every two to four hours 
after that. So first meal of the day happens when it happens, and then every two to four hours after that, you are having some sort of meal, snack, sort of a thing, um, kind of equally spaced throughout your day, and the more consistent you can keep this eating schedule, the better you will serve your body and its hunger patterns. And so the body can actually learn like, oh, like this is when I should be hungry um, because this is when I always get food. And um, again, um, when it comes to designing your first meal of the day, if you can make this the healthiest meal of the day, just in terms of like, um, again, coming back to like the sweetness and the cravings, like if you have a sweet first meal of the day, generally that's going to cause more cravings throughout the day. And so I recommend something maybe a little more savory and um, again, something that's gonna fill you up and so that you are not um, starving um, immediately after and that if you space your meals throughout the day um, equally and you're kind of always eating at the same time to the best of your abilities, because I understand that some jobs don't always allow for that, then you are um, teaching your body to be hungry at certain times and um, all of that good stuff. So anyway, long story short, the first meal of the day is the most important and my favorite, <laughs> just in case you were wondering. Uh, last question, fat loss versus weight loss. Ooh, great question. Glad you asked. If I, I mean, I could record a whole podcast on this, um, but to summarize it best I can, um, self-explanatory fat loss is when your body is just losing fat. Weight loss is when your body is losing overall matter, um, but that could be fat, that could be water, that could be inflammation, that could be muscle. Um, it doesn't, um, weight loss doesn't necessarily cater to a particular type of loss. It could be anything um, that is in your body. Um, regardless of your goal, it's safe to assume that we want to build and maintain some sort of strength and or muscle that is going to help us live our everyday lives better. Um, if you're trying to lose body fat, obviously you want to lose fat. Here's the thing. This, there's a reason that this comes up. Um, our scales are very good at showing weight loss. They are not good at showing fat loss. I have gone through this and I can I can safely assume that most people have gone through this as well experiencing frustration that the scale is going down not going down going up staying the same um, we've all experienced some sort of frustration with the weight scale and um, this is why the scale cannot be your only determinant of progress. So important. You you can track your measurements, um, track your, your BMI, again, if you're working with a trainer um, or you have access to a scale that says your, um, I say body fat percentage, actually I'm not a big fan of BMI, but I do like um, body fat percentage. And so if you have a way to track that, um, again, your measurements, um, getting a tape ruler or whatever, um, your waist, your arms. Um, so this is why, again, all this is important. So say you only lose three pounds in a month. 
what that doesn't tell you is maybe you've lost like four to five pounds of body fat and gained a pound or two of muscle. And so when you are building muscle or building strength, muscle's always going to weigh more than fat. Um, and this is huge, again, because if you drop five pounds of body fat, but you gain two pounds of muscle in a month or two, like that's, you've lost more body fat than you think. But you just, you know, it's so easy for us to just look at the scale and say, oh, oh, I've like lost almost nothing. It's like, no, actually, like you might have only lost three, three pounds, but like you also lost three inches around your waist. Like, and that's huge. That is huge. You know, maybe you've gained 10 pounds in all your lifts as you're someone who tracks your, your lifts or your speed or whatever. Like maybe you gained, like maybe your mile, your mile time got better by 30 seconds. And it's just, you have to have, um, you have to have more ways in which you measure your success either than your, either than the scale. Um, and um, so if I was gonna give you a number of ways that you should be measuring your success, I think at least three. You should have at least three different ways in which you measure your success. And that can include the scale, but that should also include like measuring, um, mile time, just whatever, what, whatever, however you wanna track it, have at least three ways in which you're measuring your success. More energy in the mornings, like just, there are so many more things aside from the scale. The scale is not the tell-all. It, it's really not. And um, you gotta give yourself some credit. It's so easy to get discouraged when we get too much into the numbers and um, just don't do that to yourself. You, you deserve to, you, you deserve to give yourself some credit. Anyhow, uh, so with that, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast and um, today's episode, and it has been an honor to be part of your day. From the bottom of my heart, it is an honor that you are here. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening, and I will see you all in the next episode. Have a great rest of your day. Peace!